Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Toolbelt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. And welcome to the Creative Writers Toolbelt. And for this episode, I'm joined again by Jessie Rita Hoffman. Jessie is a book editor and writing coach. She's worked with established authors and with hundreds of beginning authors, helping them to perfect and elevate their novels. Jessie is a former publishing house editor-in-chief and an option screenwriter. And today we'll be talking about the challenge of writing a really great action scene. So Jessie, welcome to the Creative Writers Toolbelt. Hi, Andy. It's nice to be talking with you. So I'd like to start by asking you what you think are the really important elements that make an action scene work. Well, surprisingly, it's not what's missing in an action scene that's usually the problem. It's what is there that needs to be removed. When an author envisions an action scene that they want to write, they usually have something pretty inspired. You know, they're excited. They see all this stuff happening, and it's really exciting in their head. But when they put it down on the page, it just kind of is lackluster a lot of the time, and they don't know quite why. And one of the things that new authors tend to put into an action scene is a lot of distracting details. Beginning writers often mistakenly think that the more sensory description they can stuff into a scene, the better. The description can either increase or decrease tension in an action scene. You only want to give us details that the person whose point of view the scene is written from would notice or care about, or that we as readers have to know to understand what's happening. I'm going to be referencing a certain scene in this discussion from a book that was written by a client of mine, and I'll be giving examples from that. So There's a scene where this truck explodes into the air. It's a military scene, and this big, heavy armored truck gets hit by artillery. It explodes into the air. It rotates and falls back to the earth. So when he's describing in his original version of the writing, before I critiqued and he edited it, he was telling us that the truck was tan, that it was to the woman's left. It was on the gravelly road. These are tension-weakening details. They take the reader's attention away from what matters. What side of the ditch the truck is on, the color of the the truck, the condition of the road don't really have any bearing on the action. And the protagonist in the scene doesn't care about those things, and neither do the readers. So when you put details in that really don't have to do with what you're trying to describe or what's important in what you're describing, it distracts us from the immediacy and, and the tension and the importance of the action. So that you don't want to do. Another thing that beginning writers often do in an action scene is they state the obvious, and that will slow everything down and make the pace of the scene slow, which is the opposite of what you want in an action scene. You want to have the words move across the page at a very fast pace, because then we feel like we're right there. It's exciting. It's tense. It's it's moving quickly. If you have a lot of extraneous words, then that slows everything down, and the scene just putters along. So, for instance, in this example that I've been using about the truck somersaulting in the air, he said originally that the truck with the men inside rotated. We don't need to say with the men inside. He's already told us there's an armored truck, there are men inside. So by adding with the men inside, that slows down the writing. Just say the truck, not the truck and the men inside. And then when he says the truck disappears in the air in a cloud of smoke and dust before falling back to earth, there's no need to say it disappears for a moment in a cloud of smoke and dust because 
we know obviously that the truck didn't disappear for an hour or two, <laughs> right? When you're writing an action scene, write it spontaneously. Don't go worrying about this stuff too much. You don't want to interrupt the creative flow. But when you're finished with the writing and you're doing your revising, that's when you're going to do a read-through where you're looking for extraneous words. In fact, you'll probably need to do several read-throughs where you're looking for things like that, uh, extraneous words in terms of distracting details that really aren't important to the scene, stating the obvious like we're talking about here. And the more that you can trim these out, the tighter the writing will be and the more tense that action scene will be. Now, these kind of mistakes probably seem like small, harmless things. And your listeners may be thinking, well, now how can that even be important? Well, it's important when you combine them, when you have lots of this going on in a scene, lots of extraneous little words. It just makes the scene seem fat and bumbling. You'd be amazed at how clean the writing will sound if you just clean this stuff up. And if you go to my website, there's an article in the blog section where I talk about this. My website is www.jesse, spelled with an I, Rita, Hoffman.com. And type in action scene in the search bar and you'll find the article where I go into detail about this particular writing example. And you can see the before and after versions of the author's scene. So you can actually see for yourself how just cleaning out the stuff that doesn't belong in an action scene will make a huge difference in how it reads and make the difference between an amateur-sounding piece of writing and something that sounds professional. Now, Jesse, in terms of word use, you advise against using what you call hedge words and analytical words. Can you expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah, hedge words and analytical words are more ways that beginning writers typically do slow down their action scenes, or really any scenes, but these things really flutter an action scene, because action scenes more than regular scenes need to really move. So you can have a little bit of fudge room, a little bit of leeway in a regular scene. It's not going to stand out as much when you're making these mistakes we're talking about as it will stand out when you do it in an action scene where readers expect things to really be sparse and move. So hedge words, what do I mean by that? That's my term for words that authors use in an effort to sound accurate. New writers often pad their scenes with hesitation words, with hedge words that qualify and limit the statement they're making. If you're writing a technical report for your office, then it's fine to use words like at least and almost and limit and qualify of what you're saying because you want to be as exact as you can. The same thing with analytical words like numbers, how, how much something weighs or how many yards it is from the road. If you're writing some kind of technical writing, then yeah, you need that. But if we're writing fiction, that stuff is just boring, and it just makes it sound like you're writing an academic paper instead of a story. So trim those out when you're doing your revisions. If the truck makes almost a full rotation in the air, you don't have to say almost makes a full rotation. Just say that the armored truck makes a full rotation. We don't care if it's almost. Another example from this story that I'm using here, he talks about the number of feet that the truck rises in the air when it explodes. Well, we don't know the exact number of feet, and we don't need him to tell us the number of tons the truck weighs. We can picture what an armored truck, you know, that is good and heavy. We don't need to know the number of tons. And that it just takes us out of the scene and makes us feel like we're reading a report. So avoid hedge words and analytical words when you're writing an action scene in particular in action scenes, but in fiction in general. Jesse, I understand that you recommend using one-syllable words in an action scene. Can you tell us why that is? 
Well, again, you want to match the speed of the writing to the speed of the action. And the action is very fast in an action scene. You want the words to move fast. When you use one-syllable words, that's going to make your action scene move more quickly in a more clipped, sharp pace like the moves your characters are making. So if you can choose between a three-syllable word and a one-syllable word, use the one-syllable word because it sounds faster. Okay, and what about dialogue in an action scene? What are the important things that we need to bear in mind? Well, often in a scene, you'll have to have a certain amount of jargon. Like in the action scene I'm describing, it's a military scene, and there's going to be some military terms in there. There have to be for it to sound legitimate, for it to sound like the real thing. But you want to be careful to only have a smattering of technical talk. And again, in the dialogue, it's okay, because the characters are going to be talking to each other and they're military characters, so they're going to be using some military terms. But just use a smattering of tech talk, just enough to give the feel of real to the dialogue. If you overdo it, you're going to lose your reader. And in the original version of this scene, the author was using all sorts of acronyms and technical terms that I couldn't understand as, as the editor, and the reader's not going to understand. So a little bit of it just to color the scene, give the flavor, and make us feel like we're really there, but don't overload the dialogue with too much jargon. If you picture these doctor shows on TV, think about the doctor shows. And if the doctors, when they confer, were really talking the way real doctors talk, they'd be saying all sorts of things that the viewers would never understand. They use just enough medical jargon to make us feel like we're listening to real doctors, but they don't say everything a real doctor would say because we wouldn't understand what the heck's going on. (laughs) So you want to limit the jargon. Another thing about dialogue, you have to remember that when the tension is high, in, in real life situations, when the tension is high, like in an emergency situation, the talk is minimal. People in real life and your characters in an action scene focus on the emergency at hand, not on having a conversation. So they're speaking in very short words and very clipped sentences. Often the sentences are devoid of grammar. In fact, usually when we write dialogue, there's not going to be a whole lot of grammar because in real life, people don't speak grammatically a lot of the time. Um, Write the dialogue as real people would speak it, not as you'd write a term paper for an English class. So the terseness of the conversation in an action scene increases the scene's urgency and the drama. So when you've written, um, we've got to get out of here, we've got to get out of here, his voice is panicked. You don't need to say his voice is panicked, and you don't have to say him, we've got to get out of here twice. Probably just say, we've got to get out of here, he screamed. That's a lot tighter, a lot quicker, a lot sparser. Or maybe you don't even need to say he screamed because it's pretty clear from what he's saying that he's screaming. So keep the talk sparse just like in a real emergency situation. Talk is very limited, very brief, very clipped. Can you explain to us what the terms rising and falling action mean and talk to us a little bit about the problems of sideways moving action? Well, I kind of touched on that earlier when I was saying how a scene should be like a mini novel in terms of its structure. Any scene, not just an action scene. A scene needs to rise in tension and come to a a climax and then the tension drops off at the end. So especially in an action scene, uh, this is important because you want the tension to rise so that the action scene stays exciting. If the action moves sideways, then that's going to make the scene seem tedious rather than interesting. In the example we've been using from this scene written by a client of mine, he mentions about the the bullets that are pinging off the side of the Jeep. 
Now, that's really interesting and, and creates tension the first time he says it. But then a paragraph later, he says that the bullets are pinging off the side of the Jeep. Well, he already told us that. And the first time he said it, it created tension. The second time he says it, it creates tedium. You only want to say a thing once. We get it the first time. He talked about jagged shards of aluminum. Well, we already know if it's a shard, it's jagged. So it's slowing it down. It's making the action start to move sideways when you're sticking in things that are slowing. See, another thing he was doing, he was having smoke come out of the Jeep. And then later on, he's telling us smoke's coming out of the Jeep. And later on, he tells us again that smoke is coming out of the Jeep. That's not okay. That just makes the action move in the same direction horizontally. Instead, you want you can have smoke come out of the Jeep, and now you're going to have smoke and fire coming out of the Jeep, and now you're going to have the Jeep exploding. That's okay, because now things are getting worse and worse, more and more tense. But don't have things just keep clipping along at the same pace, or they're going to bore people. Make sure the action keeps rising, that, that things get more and more difficult for the protagonist, not just continuing on at the same level of difficulty. Jesse, I want to ask you now about a problem that I know a lot of writers have, and that is that they keep getting stuck with cliches. Is there anything you can tell us about that and any advice you can give us on dealing with cliches in our writing? Well, address cliches during revision, not during the writing. Otherwise, you're going to interrupt your creative flow. So just write, and then when you're all done, go back and read through and do a read-through where you're looking in particular for cliches. I talked about cliches quite a bit in the other interview you did with me about how to write a moving love scene. Uh, the other thing in an action scene where cliches in particular can be a problem, well, actually, it's true in love scenes, too, isn't it? And that is, besides using cliche expressions, you can use cliche events. If the incidents that make up the action are things that we've often read in scenes or seen in movies, it's going to come off as copycat instead of the exciting event that the author means for it to be. Car chases, for example, are pretty cliche, unless there's something about your car chase that makes it fresh and different. So when you're envisioning your action scene, ask yourself, is what's happening here something that I've seen on TV and, and read in other books, or is this really something different? You want to make your action scene different from other action scenes that the readers have read, or they're, they're going to feel it's, it's boring. I've already read this book, and then they're not going to want to keep reading it, probably. Okay. Now, Jesse, I know that you advise writers not to focus on the protagonist's pain. Can you tell us why that is? And can you tell us how much we should then focus on the condition of the protagonist? And this is a really common mistake that I see in a lot of the books I'm asked to edit by my uh, by beginning authors. And that is, you know, they're usually the protagonist is in a certain amount of pain in an action scene because difficult stuff is happening. He's probably getting injured, he or she, to some degree. And there is pain. But the thing is that we have to remember uh, when we're writing is that the adrenaline coursing through the person is going to be such that they're probably not even going to feel the pain, not if they're in a real life-and-death struggle here. If you've got this guy who's just leaped on top of you and is pummeling the heck out of you, you're not going to be thinking about how your calf is cramping. You know? <laughs> you're going to be just thinking about fighting back. When I read an action scene and, and I see the author going on too long about, oh, and it hurts so much, and oh, he's walking along the here, and it's just, he's in so much pain and, and everything. It's just, it's it slows things down. It slows down the, the storytelling. It slows down the action. 
but it's not realistic. It, it immediately makes me feel I'm not reading about real life here because this person, this character would not be thinking about all his pain at this moment. He'd be thinking about the urgency of the situation. So that's what you want to focus on in an action scene is that think like the protagonist thinks what's going on with him and his head. He's going to be thinking about his goal, about getting through this situation. He's not going to be thinking so much about his pain. And another problem when you focus too much on the pain in an action scene is that it has the effect of making the hero sound whiny and weak, you know, <laughs> so you, another really good reason to lay low on talking about his pain. You can mention, you know, that he just got, you know, bullet just went through his shoulder, but then don't go on and on about the blood and that he's, you know, and that it hurts so much. <laughs> <All that stuff. laughs> Keep the guy fighting. <laughs> Keep the guy fighting. Well, that sounds like good general advice for the action scene. I do want to ask you now a little bit about something that we've touched on, and that's point of view. Point of view is quite important generally in writing, but how does point of view specifically relate to the action scene? And what are the pitfalls that we need to avoid in the action scene with point of view? Well, it's important not to switch from what your character is feeling or thinking or seeing to the viewpoint and emotions and thoughts of another character in the scene. Remember, you tell a scene from one character's point of view only. And I think authors know this, but when authors send me their novels to critique or to edit, they often think that they're following that rule when a lot of times they're breaking that rule without realizing it. For instance, there is in this, this scene that we're using as an example, the lady soldier feels the heat radiating on her pale face, the author tells us. And then he says, it almost singes her shoulder-length light brown hair. Now, he probably doesn't realize that's a point of view violation, but it is. Because Alicia, at this moment, is not thinking of, about how her hair is shoulder-length and light brown. We're supposed to be telling this, the scene from her point of view, right? She's trying to get out of the situation with this. She's trapped in this truck, and the, there's a fire on the edge, and the heat is radiating, and... It may be singeing her, her hair, but she's not, it's not, she's not going to be noticing about how she has light brown hair or shoulder length hair. Okay. You can say that she feels it singeing her hair, but don't go telling us that her hair is light brown and shoulder length because that immediately places us into a different point of view, a third person point of view where we have someone looking at her. They're, now they're going to be noticing that she has shoulder length light brown hair that's singeing. But since the scene is being written from Alicia's point of view, you don't include that detail because she's not going to be seeing her hair. This is a really common mistake. That, and it, it happens because the author is trying to get some exposition in. He wants us to be able to picture her and it's telling us what color hair he has, and that's fine. But you don't do it when you're describing what Alicia is feeling in, in that moment. Now, there's maybe another scene where you can describe her hair as light brown, but it has to be organic to the scene. It has to be something that she would, would notice. Maybe she's looking in the mirror and combing her hair in some scene. Now, I've got one last question. This is something I covered in an episode just a couple of months ago, and it's about blocking and positional sense. How important is it in an action scene to be really aware of exactly where all of your characters are all of the time? It's really important that you know exactly where everyone is all the time when you're writing an action scene or really any scene. But it really can mess up an action scene if you lose track of that. I mean, seriously mess it up. I get action scenes from my clients 
you know, they'll have a fight scene, for instance, and character A knocks character B on the ground and leaps on top of him. And the next thing you know, character B is standing on top of, of the wall. <laughs> Wait a minute. How did he get on top of the wall? He forgot to tell us that he pushed the other guy off and ran across the, the, the courtyard and jumped onto the wall. Um, that's kind of an extreme example that I just made up off the top of my head. But it, it often will be I'm reading the scene and I'm watching the fight happen and suddenly something happens in the fight that makes no sense because the character was on his back a minute ago and now he's on his stomach, you know. Um, or there's a character was on his back and now he's doing something that he could only do if he was on his stomach. So, again, write the scene spontaneously so that you don't interrupt the creative flow. But then when you go back to the scene to revise it, really picture it in your mind. Picture everything you're saying and picture where those characters are, where you've placed them. And does it make sense that they're doing what you're saying they're doing? Or did you skip a step and forget to tell us something that they did that moved them to a different place in the scene? Or did you actually forget what you had them doing in the scene and you suddenly now have them doing something else that that they couldn't possibly be doing if they were doing that other thing you just mentioned. So be very aware of where everyone is all the time. Well, that sounds like useful advice for every scene we write. And I think we've covered just about everything that we were going to talk about. It's been a fascinating conversation, plenty of food for thought there. Jesse, thank you so much for sharing your insight and experiences on the subject of writing a really great action scene. That's great. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. Now, at the beginning of the conversation, we mentioned that Jesse is a book editor and writing coach. If you'd like to find out more, just go to Jesse's website. That's www.jessieritahoffman.com. And I'll spell that for you. It's J-E-S-S-I-R-I-T-A-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.com. And there you can find resources for writers and also a contact page. So that's all for this episode. I hope this has been helpful to you. Thank you again for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.